I just wanted to have a papa talk with you. Papa because that's what my grandkids call me. And I just feel like I'm probably mostly over your ages. There's a few more than I. But anyway, I just wanted to share with you from God's word concerning this idea. And you, got, you should have received a piece of paper. I didn't fill it all in, but I figured you'd have it to fill in with. The normal Christian life. What is the normal Christian life? What is it? Who is it? Pardon? It's Jesus. That's right. He's the normal. He's what makes me normal. I hope. But anyway, I just want to have a heart-to-heart talk. I don't want to preach at you. I'm going to say nothing new. It's all from the Bible. It's as old as the Bible is. The problem is, most of us don't read the Bible that often anymore. She says, I know. <laughs> well, praise, praise God. Oh, okay. Yeah, you got to watch that Carol. She'll come after you. She'll come after you. She'll get you so we can get where God wants you to be. But anyway... I just want to share some thoughts with you that God gave me when our pastor called and said, Ken, can you fill in for me on this day? I said, sure. Then he calls me back the second time and says, are you sure? I said, usually when I say I'm sure, I'm sure. Unless I'm laying in a hospital bed somewhere. I don't plan on doing that either. But anyway, I want to share while driving down the freeway to come back home it went on in this head of mine, and that's probably the reason I scared my wife to death a few times. I'd start veering off somewhere, and I wasn't supposed to get there. Get back in your own lane, son, uh, honey. Get back in there. But there was a story told when I went to college many, many years ago. Two young Moravian men heard of an island on the West Indies which was virtually owned by one plantation owner. He was a violent man who treated his slaves with complete contempt. He would not allow them to even use the word Christian as long as they were on his island. No minister was permitted to come on his island to share God's love with them. So these two guys had a real good idea. What they did, they went and grabbed all the money they had, put it together, figured out how much it was, and then went to this man's island, found him, and said, we want to be slaves. Here, we'll pay our way. Gave him every dollar they had, and they lived and worked there for several years, didn't make a thing but gave up everything so they could be on the ground telling people about Jesus. Let me tell you, you want something normal? Witness to people. Tell people who God is. Show them who He is. Sometimes they don't hear the words, but they'll see the vibes that come out of us. Well, their families are telling this story. And they said, on the dock, to say farewell to our loved ones, our two boys, 
knowing was highly doubtful if they would ever see them ever again. The last words heard from the two young men as the ship started off to the ocean. And here's exact words. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. People think they've got it hard. But after reading this story, I asked myself, would I do this? Would I take every dime I had and give it to somebody and say, I'll be your slave? I'll be your slave? I had to shake my head saying, I don't think I would. That's scary. And so that became a very hard verse that they programmed all the time in the Moravian community. And after 2,158 missionaries, they sent that many missionaries out. Jesus had died for people who would never hear the gospel unless someone, and that someone's you and I, will tell them. Will tell them. So let me ask you a question this morning. What is normal Christianity? What makes it normal? Going to church? Good job? What makes it normal? Well, having searched through the Bible for the last three days, <laughs> what does it say about being normal? <laughs> because I know I'm not normal. But what's it say? I am disgusted described it this way. Normal Christianity or a normal Christian life is one of full devotion, first of all, to Jesus Christ. Full devotion. Not just some devotion, but full devotion. Anything less than total devotion to him is subnormal, inferior. And we don't see it that way. But think about it. All that he done for you if anyone wants to follow in my footsteps, Mark chapter 8, verse 34, if anyone wants to follow in my footprints, he must take up or give up all rights to himself and take, just hear this now, and give all his rights up and follow him. Does that mean you have nothing to say about it? No. It's that you've got one thing, Jesus. One thing, Jesus. And you're going to follow him and be part of him. And he's going to be part of you. And that is the normal Christian life that the Bible talks about. Being described by Jesus himself in the word. Well, next question I thought to myself. What if somebody comes up after the service and says, what are you talking about? <laughs> what does full devotion to Jesus really look like? Paul says in Philippians, if you'll turn there, Philippians verse, or chapter 3, verses, guess what? 7 to 16. Follow along with me. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches on his glorious inheritance in the saints and his inspirable love 
for us who believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. Wow. So in these verses I just read, Paul gives us five, 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 five things. The first one is this. First one is this. A fully devoted follower of Jesus counts all things lost. All things lost. Look at verses 7 and 8 again. Notice three times Paul uses the word lost in these phrases. He's emphasizing, emphasizing it to make a strong point. Lost, lost, lost. Listen to verses 4 and 6. He felt he made great advances. It's Paul now talking about his own life. Great example of living a religious life. How many people live a religious life? There's a lot of them out there that live religion. There's not as many who live for Christ. And that makes a world of difference. The world that we live in don't need to take a chance of what church they want to go to. Do they know Jesus? Do they know him? And how are they going to know him? You and I. We're going to have to spread it to them. I now count it lost, he says. What things had been counting as he counted them as gains for him. Paul was an educated man. He was high up in the church back then. He knew what was going on. But he said, I paid attention to all those details, but I didn't pay attention to my own spiritual life and really knowing who Jesus is. How many of us could raise our hands and say, I've been there and done that? Yeah, been there and done that. Paul said, these are what I thought of as my gains. I didn't have them in the asset column. I know they're supposed to be there, but I didn't. But instead, I had everything else, liability column. I've got all this, Lord. You've got to bless me. Look, I'm good. I don't miss church. I don't do this. I do that. Now that I've got all this stuff. Eh, you know, lost means lost. It doesn't make any difference what's going on around, what the world says, what a church says. What does God's word say? Are we lost in his word? Yeah, the Greek word is very strong. It's like a ship going down. You know, when God came and gave his son for us, he came for one reason. To get all that stuff out of us that distracts us from serving God. All that stuff, that just, it's a distraction. Did you know church can be a distraction? It can be a big distraction. Paul said, no. All these things I've got to let go of. So this morning I ask you, what are those distracting elements in your life? What is keeping you from being all that God wants you to be? Get out your piece of paper and start writing. 
I'm sure there's at least one for all of us. I'm not going to say what it is. But Paul said, all of this stuff that I've had going on all these times, all these things that I wouldn't give up, I pursued them. Listen to what he said throughout the Bible. He said, literally, all of these things have become like dung. Career, money, possessions, house, cars, popularity, fame, security, a nest egg for the future, fashion, the toys of this world. It is all rubbish, Paul says. It's not what God wants. He figured it out. How did he figure it out? He listened to the Father. He listened to God. And I'm not pursuing it anymore, he says. Can we say that? I'm not pursuing those things that have been distracting me anymore? How many people have you known have been serving God and then all of a sudden, boom, you don't know where they're at? They're not around. And when you do see them or find them or locate them, they're only talking about all the things they've done. Nothing what God has done. A fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ is one who says, hey, he's number one no matter what. He's number one no matter what. Years ago, the bass drummer for Little River Band got saved. And he got called to ministry. And everybody said, Wait, how would you give up an $8 million contract to play the drums? Why would you do that? Because I want to be a full disciple to Jesus Christ. And I can't do it playing the drums for this secular world that I'm in. He was a follower of Jesus all the way. A fully devoted follower of Jesus counts all things lost. All things but the second phrase that Paul brings out of the scripture is, a fully devoted follower of Jesus has a passion to know Christ. A passion to know Christ. Paul says in verse 10, I've done all this that I may know him. That I may know him. Paul simply was stating for us, I used to be content with a lot of knowledge about God. You know, I've attended seminary, I've attended schools of theology and stuff like that. A lot of knowledge there in those halls. And I loved every bit of it. But when it comes right down to it, knowledge of what went on in the hall is not going to get me into heaven. It won't get me there. It's, I've got to turn, I've got to have a passion to know not just read it, memorize it, but to know it. This is what God is saying. And the word here means to know personally by experience. Not by reading it or watching it on TV, but knowing it in your own experience, spirituality with him. Understanding who he is. Paul simply saying, I used to be content with a lot of knowledge about God, but now I have finally met him. I know who he is. He is my heavenly father. He is my savior. He is my soon coming king. He's my best friend. He's all that I need. That doesn't mean we don't need it. other people. We do. But when it comes right down to it, 
Have we met him or do we just know about him? Paul says, hey, you've got to know him. And once you meet him, guess what? You'll never want to move away. You'll want to grow and grow and grow because you'll see what he's doing in your life, how he's making things happen. When God revealed himself to Paul as he has to us, in a blinding light on the road to Damascus, it was Jesus he met, not another man, not a bishop. He met Jesus Christ, and Jesus changed him. I guess the question I have here is, how having caught a glimpse of him, as Paul says, I've caught a glimpse of him. All I want to know is more of him and more and more. God wants us to know more. And a fully devoted follower of Jesus is one, guess what, who has a passion to know him. How passionate are you this morning? To know him. To let his word penetrate you. What could be more important in life than to know the one who created you? He makes the difference. I pastored a long time. And I used to sit with young couples preparing for marriage. I always had this crazy thing that made people upset at me at first. Six premaritals or I'm not doing it. Simple as that. Anyway, I'd sit there and I'd listen to them. And here's some of the things I heard from some of them. Oh, pastor, we know everything about us. We know everything about us. I said, oh, that's good. That's nice. Oh, we know everything about each other, our families, our work, everything. We know everything. We've just shared everything. Okay. I'd sit there and I'd kind of think for myself and then I'd make this statement. At the time... I would say something like this. I've known my wife for 40 years, but I don't even dare think I know her. No. And she doesn't think she knows me. But guess what? When you get married, you got to remember you're just starting out for the first time to know anything about everything. All the wonderful things that you think you know about somebody else fits into knowing about Jesus. Just because you've read Matthew, you haven't read anything else, but you've read Matthew because it's in the New Testament. That's easy to find. Hey, you don't know everything about Jesus and you won't know everything about him until he calls you home. But are you listening to him now? Are you waiting for him now to make a difference in your life? When you talk about knowing God, guess what? It's something that act, occupies your mind forever. He's amazing. He's wonderful. He's awesome. And he wants us to know him as well as he wants to know us. But he won't bombard us. He loves us too much for that. See, a fully devoted follower of Jesus has a passion to know him. The third phrase that he uses, a fully devoted follower of Jesus lives a new life. Lives a new life. Verse 10 again, what I may know him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. 
God has been so good to my wife and I over all these years. I've got no complaints. God has been good. He's put people in my life as a pastor, in my life as a friend, that have challenged me to be all that God wants me to be. And I appreciate that. I tell God every, every time that I'm just by myself, thank you for so-and-so. Thank you for my church. But you know what? I need to know him to the point to where he raises me higher and higher and closer to him. If you have become a believer by receiving Jesus as your Savior, the Bible says very same power that Jesus knew can be put in us called the Holy Spirit. It's in us. It strengthens us. It goes before us. It shines the light on for us. Because Jesus died and was put in that grave and three days later, bambo, he's up. He's going straight in to his father's house. And that's the same power he wants us to have. Living here on earth, it makes a world of difference. John chapter 3 tells us that when this happened, we are born again. Yes, we know that. But the power of God working in us raises up whole in our lives, whole in our hearing, whole in understanding. He wants us to know him better and better. He challenges us that by the December of this year, we should know him better than when we started out this year. He should be more for us. That very same power that raised him from the dead, he wants to raise within us as we're battling out here in the world. He wants to give us victory. And he will. He will. Right now, I'm involved in a men's group called Influencers. Every Thursday night, meet right over here in this corner. And you know what? I started last year. And I thought it was great last year, but this year has been fantastic. You know, God wants to use his people to help one another. Why is it so important to have helpers alongside? When you start having trouble, who do you turn to? The world? They're not going to help you. But if you've got God's people on your side, guess what? You can call them and they'll be there right now. They'll pray with you right then on the phone. They'll invite you to church with them. They'll do whatever it takes to help you get victory on what you're struggling in. Amen? But we just don't live that way. We think we can do it all by ourselves. I'm super Christian. Fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. To know him. How well do you know him? How well do you know him? John 3 tells us a whole new life starts when we accept him as Lord and Savior. A whole new start comes around us. I guess the question I want to ask you, have you asked him in yet? I mean, really surrender to him? Not just da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I mean, go deep. Lord, whatever's in my life needs to be taken out, take it out. Whatever I'm not doing, help me know it so I can do it. Show me. 
See, repent simply means, and this is not a theological definition, so don't say it is. It's not. It's a preacher boy's idea to get across to people and understand what's going on. To repent is to express heartfelt sorrow for sin. I've sinned, Father. Forgive me. I've sinned. But to repent is an about face, forward march. You've turned your life over to God and you're walking with Him and He's walking with you. That's what repentance is. It's not doing good works. <laughs> it is inviting Jesus Christ into your life and living for Him first and then the good works will come. Then the good works will come. To come back to the passage in Philippians 3.10 one more time. Now I am pursuing. I want to know in every increasing measure that resurrection power of God. I'm pursuing this new life. Are we? Are we pursuing it? Or is it now I lay me down to sleep? I'm gone. If you're a fully devoted follower of Jesus, you can't live the way you used to live anymore. You can't do it. The Christian life isn't an improved life <laughs> in its entirety, entirely, but it's a different life. A different life. God empowers us to live a new life in Him. C.H. Lewis said this, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. Hold on to this now. He came to make dead people alive. <laughs> That's not mine. I've read that somewhere. He wants us to be alive, not dead. People are going to try to improve their own life. That's all there is to it. I've seen it all the years as a pastor. They try to improve. They try to do this. They do this, do that. And they think it'll all make it better. Jesus doesn't really care what you do. He wants to know if he's living in you. That makes the difference. God didn't come into your life to rescue you because he likes building the building you're in. See, this is our building we're in. He wants you to become a new building in Him. People who try improving their own lives so that God will accept them are sweeping a dirty warehouse because it's not going to happen. God is the only one who can clean us up, who can strengthen us, who can walk with us. We are new creatures in Him, but if we're still walking in the old way, we don't even know where He's at. And He's trying to get a hold of us one way or the other. See, it's pointless for us to try to clean up and do right. But it's very important we say, Lord, I need you to do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And sometimes it's not that I can't, I won't do it because it hurts. I've got to change some things, and I'm not sure I want to change right now. 
Are you living a new life this morning? A new life. Have you asked him into your heart and your life? Have you given him a chance to say, I want to do this for you. I want this to be a part of my life. The fourth phrase he uses in this Philippian verse. A fully devoted follower of Jesus is prepared to pay the price. Paul goes on in verse 10 to say, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. That's hard words. Paul said that's what it's going to take to be all that God wants us to be. You know, right now there are thousands of people all over this world that are giving up their life for the cause of Christ. We don't see it in America. But what we give up is being a living martyr. Not taking somebody else's life. But what will we sacrifice so people will see him here in America? But someday, someday, and I don't think it's that far away, to be honest with you. Someday we're going to see people come up and ask, you a Christian? Bang! I don't like you. God says, are we willing to go that far for me? Are you willing, God, for me to go that far? He said, I want you to. I want you to. The question I think we have to ask this morning is this. Are we fully devoted to Jesus? Which means if our life was due, if it would help someone find him, we'd say, okay. It takes a lot to do that. We can't do it by ourselves. But it's not just physical death we're talking about here. It's dying to self. It's not us anymore. It's Jesus only living in us, growing in us, guiding us, leading us. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I die daily. In other words, each day I surrender totally to you, Father. Each day before I go out my door, I surrender to you. Whatever you want, I'll do it. And then be prepared when he says, this is what I want. Years ago, when this missionary, his name was Julio, and he went down to Columbia. And he was a Christian minister here in the States, went down there. And he gave his life for the salvation of souls. He went right to the center of the drug cartel. Right to the center. I'm not sure I'd have this kind of guts right now. Right to the center and say, did you guys know that you're dying and going to hell? You need to get right. And they said, go away and leave us alone. He went back the next day, the next day. I don't know how many years he went back. But folks, let me tell you, when his daughter read his biography to some people at seminary, they said, he went back because people needed Jesus and nobody there would stand up for me. And he went back and out in the middle of 
the avenue. Two men with machetes chopped him up in pieces right there in front of everybody. He fought the good fight. He didn't give up. He knew what God wanted. His daughter said this, Our father's death has inspired us to also lay down our lives. Not just dying, but to live for Christ, which is sometimes harder than dying. Willing to go to death, but also death to self. Our desires, our attitudes, our thinking. And his last, the fifth statement about being a normal Christian. Hope I haven't scared anybody yet. Hold on. A fully devoted follower of Jesus sees life as a race to be won, to be run, excuse me, to the finish line. Sees life as a race to be run to the finish line. Otherwise, we don't stop because it gets hard. We don't stop because we don't understand. We don't stop because we don't see miracles happening around us and what's going on. But we are going to the finish line, and the finish line is being what God wants us to be, and He comes and takes us home. I want you to listen in verse 12. Here's some verbs that Paul used. Pressing on, endurance. How enduring are we in America? Not very. (laughs) How enduring are we as Christians? For some, it's no problem. For others, watch out, they give up too easy. What about reaching out, focus? Oh, by the way, mark August 3rd down on your calendar because on August 3rd, This place is opening back up to feed the homeless. And we're going to, that's right. Give him praise. Give him praise. We've been doing a job, but it's been going to where they're at, and now we can bring them back so they can have showers and get clothes and and get a hot meal and be ready for as fall comes. But see, reaching out means you focus. As Christians, his word will challenge you. For two weeks, two weeks, I read the same verse. And I'm still not sure I understand it. But I'm better now than I was two weeks ago. Because the word has become life to me. I focused in on it. Verb number four, forgetting the past. Oh, Lord have mercy on us. We can't even forgive the present sometimes. But forgive the past. So what if so-and-so hurts your feelings? What would Jesus do? Go back and love them anyway. Care for them anyway. Help them to understand. Forgetting all the bad things that happened. We've all had bad things happen to us. And Jesus or Paul saying, forget the past. It's the past. Why keep bringing it up? You're going to the future. We're going for you. We're growing for you. But last but not least, moving forward, progress. Moving forward. Are you closer to God today than you were last time, last Sunday? Are you? 
Does he mean more to you now than he did last week? Because if not, you're not moving forward. You're stagnating. And that ain't going to help the situation. We live in a past too much of the time, church. We always think of the past. Always think of the past. And I had some great things of the past, but you know what? I don't live there anymore. I live today. And God says, I want you to lift me up today. Not what it was. Oh, yeah, maybe 20 years ago it was a lot easier. People would flood the churches. And now they can watch it on TV. They can watch it on this thing we're doing. I always wonder what... Now, this is going to sound funny, so just hang in there. I'd like to know what it feels like to have a worship service in your underwear. <laughs> People are saying how great it is to worship on TV. Why? Because they don't have to make any commitment to anything. They don't have to get dressed. They don't have to worry about eating breakfast. They don't have to make sure there's gas in the car. They don't have to worry about getting here on time. They just walk up there, boom, pitch it on the time, and there I am. And you can put your easy chair back and be up like this and just, oh, this is so good to be in church. Baloney. Baloney, 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 baloney. See, this is Christian maturity. Pressing on, reaching out, forgetting the past, moving forward. James 1.12 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, which would be deceiving yourselves. We want everything easy. We do. I do. I don't like hard times. But I do know this. God is there holding us up. And no matter what we're going through, He will not fall away from us. He will not fail us. He will be with us. He will comfort us. Even when we don't know He's there, He's there. That's it. But we forget. Maturity means hard work. Look what Paul says in verse 15. And if, and if at some point... You think differently. That too, God will make clear to you in the days to come. Don't we always get confused? We don't understand. <laughs> and we try to figure out, what are they saying? What are they doing? Let me tell you, I'm about as plain as plain can be. You don't know Jesus? Either know him or forget it. God wants you, but if you don't want him, he's not going to browbeat you to get there. But he's not going to give up loving on you, caring about you. See, God makes everything so clear to his people when they bring it to him. Paul says, you may think I'm a bit over the top. Now, I don't know if Paul said that or not. I'm, I'm, I'm making this up for him. But I know some people in the past have thought that about me. <laughs> Maybe some around here are thinking the same thing. I don't know. That's all right. I'm a big boy. God will open our hearts and mind to the truth if we'll let him. If we will let him. 
I know what God says is the normal for his disciples and followers. A lot of things we need to be doing. A lot of things we need to be doing. Are open for debate. You may not agree with this message, and that's all right. He didn't give it to you, he gave it to me. I'm just telling you about it. Just talking to you about it. But I don't believe this is one of them, folks. I believe the church during this century needs to have one standard and one standard only. He is Lord. Period. He's not Baptist. He's not this. He's not that. He is Lord. Period. And if he's the period there, we can stand firm. I'm sorry. I was told to be done at 11. I'm 10 minutes late. Five more minutes. Five more minutes. Hold on. Hold on. I want to close this whole thing down now. Close it down. Somebody clap. Yay! You can clap. Yay! Will you listen closely to me right now? You can forget everything else I said, but listen closely to this. These five things. Number one, have you asked Jesus into your life to forgive your past and direct your future? Number two, have you made the conscious decision that you are done with low-level Christian living? Well, one or two of you are. Is all your time, talents, and treasure at his disposal every morning? Are you spending the time every day reading his word, the Bible, and praying, st stretching to know who God is? We, we need to. Our churches need to. It's a shame we've got to put names above the door. It really is. God's church ought to just be His church, and God's there. Who cares what denomination it is? God's there, period. No ands, ifs, or buts about it. And if He's not there, you don't want to be there either. Just stay home. Are you part of a small group of believers that meet regularly to help you Live a full devotion to Jesus. Church, churches, we're, we're missing it. And now I will say, our church has done everything they know to do, but they can't make you do it. We've got ladies' fellowship. We've got ladies' Bible study. We've got children's ministry, youth ministry. We've got men's ministry. We've got influencer ministry. We've got home school thing go, or home church things going on where people meet uh, five or six people just to get around the word and talk. We're trying to do that. But the problem is there's little support. I know it's hard when you work all day. It's difficult. But you, we need to have that small group of fellowship with people that can help us grow and, and we can call on if we need to. The greatest thing in the world is you can pick up the phone and say, hey, I went through hell on earth today at work. I need prayer. And guess what? If you've got the right group to be with, they'll pray with you right there on the phone. No ands, if or buts about it. I've done it myself. But the last one's the most important. Who are you praying for and reaching out to 
with the focused desire of introducing them to Jesus. We've all got someone, a neighbor, a worker, a friend, someone comes to church that needs to know Jesus. And the only one that's going to be able to tell them is you and I. Are you ready this morning to become a fully devoted disciple of Jesus Christ? Hey, he's ready. He's, he's, he's right in line right now. I'm signing you up. If you'll just come to me and let me do it. So this morning, I want us to think just for a moment. Just for a moment. Are we ready for this to happen at Cornerstone Church of the Nazarene. Are we willing? Are we ready? Because it's going to take all of us to do our very best to make it happen. And He wants it to happen. We have to start being what God wants us to be, church. Not just another group meeting, but being what Jesus wants. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you two things. One, if you, if you are here this morning and you are tired of this, ah, I think I'm a Christian, no, I'm not sure I'm a Christian, well, yeah, 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 or can't figure out what's going on, and you want to become fully, fully filled with Him, I just want you to come and just stand right here. Just stand right there. I don't care if one comes, two comes, you all come. It doesn't make a difference to me. But if you really want what God, you want to be a fully filled follower of God, I want you to come and just stand over here. Anybody like that? I want you to come. Just stand right over here. I know it looks funny me sitting down, but I get dizzy easy lately. Uh, but just come on down here. Yeah, yeah. Give God some praise. Give God some praise. Yes, amen. Just coming right over here. Just come right over here. Just come right over here. Now, I would like Raphael to come, Mo to come, Michael to come. Terry, you want to come? We're going to pray for these people. We're going to pray for them. We're going to encourage them today that when they go home, they know they can have victory. They can be all that God wants them to be. Amen? Anybody else would like to come pray? Come right on. Come right on. Our men's Bible study leader right there. Good. Good, good, good. Just come right on. You guys just start praying for them right now, and I want you where you're at. I want you where you're at to start praying, too, that God would come, and maybe you can put an eyeball on one of these and just encourage them. Call them on the phone this week. Send them a card this week. Do whatever it takes to encourage them to be all that God wants them to be. So can you pray right where you're at? Just ask God to move in a mighty way for them. Yes, yes. He is Lord. Yes, he is. Praise God, praise God.
or just meet their needs right now. Come and bless them and be with them. Encourage them. Let the power of God rest upon them right now. Yes, all the way. All the way. Amen. Father, I just pray that you'd pour out your spirit. Lord, you would come. Help them to have a desire to be fully dedicated to you. Not just partially, but fully all that you want them to be. Bless them, I pray. May your word come alive in them. May they find the power of God. Just help them right now, I pray. Help them right now. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't it great to be a part of seeing God's family determined to be all that He wants them to be? Yes. It's not the church that's important anymore. It's God. The church is an avenue, but God is there to make the big difference and guide us down the avenue. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yes. Just have your own way, Father. Have your own way right now. Move. Move in a mighty way. Fill them with your presence. Guide and lead and direct. Bring healing where healing is needed. Bring wisdom where wisdom is needed. Bring victory in Jesus over anything that may be in your life. You can go see if you're done. You can be seated. Praise God. Yes. Praise His name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's stand. Father, we are glad that your word never goes void. It's alive and well, even this day. And I pray that you would go with us. May, Father, we remember these people that were up here and lift them up in prayer throughout this week that God will encourage them and strengthen them and give them courage to call another Christian if they're going through a hard time and just let God work through each other. I pray, Heavenly Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, your word is the nourishment we need to fight the enemy. So I pray that you would come. Let it be the greatest week we've ever had because of Jesus Christ living, reigning, and walking with us. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.